This is the Software and Technology Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. The more diversity of thought of the people working at tech companies, the better. The blockchain idea was around 91. The same idea of, in the digital world, we need verifiable documents. Welcome to MarketScale Software and Technology. I'm your host, Sean Heath. You know, I am a a big fan of saving money, but I'm also a big fan of quality. And those two things don't always go together. You know, vendors and companies tell you that they always go together, but we know for a fact they're not always synonymous. However, it's the goal of third-party companies, both materials and services providers, to reach that level of... I guess we could just say the mythical OEM performance level. Well, today I have the privilege of having a conversation with Mike Steiner, the Director of Technical Services for Reliant Technology. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing great. I want to put you on the spot right from the very beginning. The difference in cost for an OEM approach versus a very good third-party approach, the difference in price, how much of that is attributed to the brand name on the OEM, and what percentage of that is actually applicable to the difference in quality between OEM and third-party? Well, that was two questions at once, so I'll try to take them. I would say the brand name um, first part of it is uh, there's kind of an inverse relationship actually to the brand name. The reason that third-party maintenance can often be so inexpensive compared to what you're used to buying from the OEM is that you know Coca-Cola or Pepsi or anybody else who owns the market share on something uh, is going to charge more for it. And so the more uh, market share the brand has from, you know, if we're talking about a storage product or something in our data center world, the more parts there are on the open market, the more engineering talent there is available for it. There's a whole ecosystem built around that technology, which allows us to be able to find parts cheaper, to find uh, engineering talent cheaper. So ironically, the, the more something is, uh, is a cost brand new, usually the cheaper it is on our market, which creates a, a sizable gap for a, you know, an user customer to take advantage of. One of the things that you are tasked with doing at Reliant is optimizing maintenance costs for your clients. And one of the ways you do that is helping them implement a hybrid maintenance strategy. Can you explain to me exactly what that is and why it's such a good idea? Sure. I mean, you know, as a guy who used to work at the manufacturer level, and uh, most of us in our world did at some point, uh, or at least a lot of engineering talent does, you know, the stockholders out there at, uh, at any of the major manufacturers, of course, want you to buy something every three years or as fast as, as they make them. Uh, but most of the customers we talk to probably want to refresh, you know, every five years or maybe even seven or 10, depending on the technology. And so that doesn't always match up with the timeline set by the manufacturer and what they would like. But ultimately, a lot of times customers need to keep something alive for longer than you know than the life of the gear from the manufacturer. So just to support the things you need, it's probably good to have an idea of a hybrid strategy. But in reality, I think most people are do look at it realistically of saying, you know, which areas in my environment could I save some money and, and not refresh as fast, not take on the, the level of project that a full refresh takes, you know, in terms of your, your day-to-day. I guess one of the possible downsides to having that hybrid maintenance strategy would be making sure that you determine where it's appropriate to stagger as opposed to recognizing what does actually literally need to be changed in a more frequent manner. 
the hardest part from when I speak to customers for them is to know where that line is because you've got, I don't know, $50 billion of marketing between all the different uh, authorized reseller partners of every manufacturer and all the manufacturers themselves educating customers on sort of how they should be buying technology for, you know, decades where there aren't that many people in the country that do this really well like we do. And so it's one of those things that it's it's usually an education um, we go through with the with the customers to let them know where does this make sense and not. We're, you know, we I don't pretend to tell them they should buy everything uh, from the used market or put everything on third party maintenance. I, I absolutely would not suggest that. But uh, helping them understand where they can take advantage of it is just part of the strategy. That if they're thinking like a business, you know, the, the, their side of the business, um, hopefully they're you know, they're willing to talk to us about it. Now, you work across multiple industries with several different leaders, and I'm curious, does the phrase, the bottom line, come up all the time, or who uses that phrase more? I, I would say that it depends on who you're talking to and, and what you're talking about, because at times we may be very, very much in the weeds talking to a specific administrator of a piece of equipment, and their goal is less about the bottom line in terms of financials and much more about I've got to make sure this thing is working and I can you know, support my business unit. Uh, the higher up you go in, in sort of the customer conversation, the more I'd say that phrase gets used because they're, they're thinking a little more strategically or, or at least their job is to think more strategically. I mentioned that you worked uh, across several industries. That includes children's hospitals. And we know that in the United States, the healthcare industry is really very conscious of the ability to improve the services they pr- provide, and that ability to customize that Reliant provides when you're designing a maintenance strategy. Talk to me about how that customization can benefit the customer. Ultimately, if you are tasked with coming up with new technology, if you're an IT department, to try to help streamline your business, automate parts of your business, whatever it is, some things get in the way of that. Obviously, cost is one piece of it, but Doing an infrastructure refresh because you think you're supposed to is a big project for people. So if they can push that their refresh strategy from three years to five years, they're doing a whole lot less refreshes over the next 15 years. And so it becomes one of those things that it saves them time to not have to do that work. And obviously the other side of it becomes you can use that money to put towards projects that are less infrastructure-based and more you know innovation-based. People who are extremely detail-oriented, such as yourself, have a tendency to focus on the challenges and the tough part of their day. I want to flip the script a little bit and have you tell me about a success story that you've experienced while you were at Reliant. Okay. Um, Well, I'm not going to use the customer by name, but we did have somebody who uh, was being told that they had to upgrade their systems uh, because the gear that they needed was end of life. They were trying to expand and this was a storage system. And ultimately when they called us, they really had no idea about the used market in any way or third-party maintenance. It's just something they never been on their radar. And uh, so once they understood that they had more options, ultimately they were able to, kind of to my last point, they were able to add some capacity to a storage array, put it on maintenance with us uh, because EMC said they wouldn't support it at that point. Sorry if I just threw, threw the OEM under the bus in this case. And from their perspective, they didn't get back into the corner to have to some large project they didn't want. Uh, it was just they were being told they had to, they had to do this, that they didn't have any other options. And so by just showing them a different way, showing them there are you know other options for them, 
it ultimately just made, you know, yeah, they saved some money. Yeah, it was easier. But going forwards, they realized that they should probably take a deeper look at, at their strategy around this stuff, not just this was a reactive case. But, you know, ultimately, they became a pretty good partner of ours. And they ask our opinion to see what we can do on lots of examples like that. Is that one of your favorite projects? Um, sure. I mean, they're all, in a lot of ways, they're all similar to me because so many of them start with education about someone's options. That's kind of the theme, I would say, of how we approach things here. Do you think that education is part of the reason why customers are starting to trust third-party providers even more now? Uh, sure. I think the more it gets out in any industry, there was a time when you couldn't go buy a used car on, on, a, on a car lot, right? But then CarMax or something like that comes along and, and things start to be more legitimate. Uh, and then you ultimately find every dealership now sells used cars on their lot because they have to compete. I think you know, you've seen that with our industry where it's it's become more understood, more legitimized. And now you even see manufacturers and authorized resellers of those manufacturers uh, now starting to incorporate a hybrid strategy into their you know, offerings. Mike, I did, in fact, ask a two-part question earlier, which you called me out on, and you were kind enough not to rub my face in that too much. Uh, let's get back to the second part of that original question, and that is the pluses and minuses of an OEM versus a third-party maintenance strategy. Now, you mentioned a moment ago that you kind of threw the OEM under the bus. This is kind of like football. They're tough. They're, they're, they're strong. They'll dust themselves off. They'll survive. Talk to me about what they should really be concerned about. What are the biggest differences, pluses and minuses, between a third-party maintenance strategy and strict OEM? I mean, at the, at the highest level of support, we're talking about they're very similar uh, in terms of we can, you know, match their service level agreement. So if you have a 24 by seven by four hour response time and, and the ability to call in uh, to get to an engineer for, for questions, all of that stuff, I would say, is very similar and it can be mimicked. The biggest difference outside of, you know, the, the price, I guess, is that the OEM, because they have rights to their own software because they, they created it, they are able to give you software updates for all these pieces of technology that that require it. And so when we were to, if we were to buy something back on the used market from an, uh, from a customer and you know, test to make sure it worked, we, we would have to kind of have that thing frozen in time where whatever it came in with, it has to go out with, uh, and we can't give you software updates. And so that's the, because we are partners with the manufacturer. So the, the one thing that we tell everybody is if, if it's at a, you know, a code level that has the right features and things that you are comfortable with, you know, we try to be upfront about that and let everybody know that, if it meets your needs, we're, you know, this is what we have to, to offer. If something comes up where you have a real need to upgrade to a newer version of, of that operating system, uh, that's the thing you give up with third-party maintenance and is the type of thing that where we'll let you know there are certain things that would not make sense for us because of that. And then some things uh, certainly are within our wheelhouse and very rarely have updates that are uh, you know overly consequential. For other customers, they are, in fact, in a point in time where they know they're going to just maintain their current level. Aside from price, why does that make Reliant a better choice? Um, I, mean, I think a lot of it's, it just depends on your experience with us. But if ultimately you're calling up a manufacturer of a technology and your goal is to be able to ask questions over the phone to someone who's, uh, who's good at resolving problems or have someone fix the hardware and we have a group of people who've done you know, that for a very long time, who also used to work in the manufacturer and are, are well-trained on, on those technologies. Um, like I said, I don't think there is a whole lot different to it in some of those cases, unless the fix becomes us having to suggest a change to that software. But um, I mean, I, that's our goal. And, and I have to 
you know, have the other side here for the debate, but our goal is to try to be just like the manufacturers. And because we're so many of us are from that world originally, I think we, we believe we are. Are we at a point in the industry where no one company has the the monopoly on all the smart people? Oh, absolutely. Talented engineers are available. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you wouldn't want that either. You know, when it, anybody who I talk to on the customer side who's savvy would fire me as a as a, as a uh, partner if I told them that I have every single engineer that you'll ever need. You know, that actually works here in my office. Uh, that that just would be not a business model that anybody could sustain. With, with the level of, of nuance that we're talking about in terms of, you know, people having technology that might be 10, 15 years old still. Uh, so ultimately everybody in our world or even the manufacturer world outsources something. Uh, but it's, it's actually quite common for the OEMs to outsource some of their services engagements to other partners. Uh, the OEMs, when they send out something, when they send out a piece of hardware as a replacement, they are sending used gear. They're not sending brand new gear either. So there's a lot of that thing where nobody can have all the smart people on, on retainer immediately. You know, everybody has to have partnerships and, and kind of fight the same battle no matter where you work. I think there's a personality trait that comes along with a third-party provider of being willing to say the phrase, I don't know the answer to that, but I will find the answer. Whereas the OEM, if they say, I don't know the answer, that kind of looks bad for them. Yeah, I mean, sometimes they're forced into that. It's not their fault, actually. But I'll just give you an example. Uh, because we're a third-party provider, you know, we have all the the skill sets that you would expect for the data center work that we do. Uh, so if somebody is a EMC storage uh, customer with a Cisco environment or you know whatever for the network, if you're a manufacturer trying to support that, you are not allowed to go out there and fix someone else's gear. You may have to point the finger a bit, so you might want to check that to make sure it's you know it's not that as an issue. And so you get the it's very common to get sort of the network and systems people pointing the fingers back and forth, and uh, that's where that you know kind of buzzword of you know finding one throat to choke has always been thrown around. But ultimately, we just don't have the same restrictions, right? Because if we want to put you know we can put anything under support in the data center that you want, basically, as, as long as it's not so brand new that we can't get the gear. Uh, but that's the kind of thing where. That's just a function of us being more flexible because of it, because we, we, we are not bound by any one manufacturer. It feels like that also gives uh, a third-party company or service provider more of a personal feel, even though literally it might be a large 500-employee uh, company or a 1,000-employee company. There's just something, I don't want to say rebellious, but there's just something that feels more personal with third-party providers that you don't always get from the overall feeling of a behemoth corporation doing OEM. Sure. I mean, I think there's something to be said for the fact that um, in our world where not everything is as standardized uh, because there is a supply and demand nature to to hardware and, and there are some limitations, uh, uh, some level I mentioned earlier around, around software, that yeah, we, it, it's not as easy for someone in our, industry, our side of the industry to expand to that level where it becomes you know, like dialing, you know, 1-800-GOOGLE or something. You know, in general, um, when we open case tickets for our team, we, as, as much as possible, try to defer any issue to the main engineer who owns that account, right? So if that person's sleeping and they're out of the shift, uh, and it's an easy fix, we take care of it. But ultimately, we try to go back and, and match it up as, as, as best we can, because you're right, it's one of our advantages is being personal, uh, being smaller, allows us to be more flexible, all that kind of stuff is, is the experience we try to provide. 
So, Mike, we're talking awful lot about today. I want you to look into your crystal ball now and tell me, where do you think we're going? What's the future for this particular brand of third-party service providers? Well, I mean, at some point, there'll probably be large technology shifts that may swing the whole industry. But for, for now, what I see is is more adoption. The same way that when I, you know, 10 years ago, nobody really believed in the cloud uh, and over time, everybody started to have a cloud strategy because they started to realize that it doesn't work for everything I have, but for the things that are, it's a good fit for, it's a great way to save money. I think it'll be something along those lines where people will become more open to taking a look at building solutions out of used gear, support having someone like us, a third party maintenance company support those, those solutions. Uh, and build into a strategy where they, the same way they might have a cloud strategy, they have that hybrid strategy around support and around, you know, used hardware as, as a possible answer to their problems. Do you think there's a possible situation where there is a partnership between third-party providers and the OEM where the original manufacturers will hand off with confidence the services to third parties as not subcontractors, but that's almost like the relationship or maybe as a service arm in name only, or is there a weird sort of possible hybrid relationship that could come out of this? There's already some of that happening, honestly, where, um, you know, they just like, you know, with the car industry, they realized that they're missing the boat on some of these offerings by forcing people to buy new and to not support things beyond a certain point that they're forcing their customers to go find other options. And so there is already some of that happening. I think a lot of it just depends on each manufacturer. Some of them have done it pretty well or started to. If the OEM gets involved and tries to control the cost of it too much, what you find is that the people on our side of the world just say, sorry, you know, the, the open market, the, you know, the supply and demand allows me to buy that cheaper than buying it through you guys. And so eventually the, the relationship fall, you know, falters because it's certainly been tried in the past. But yeah, I, I do see them taking control of that market better the same way the car industry has, has did it over the last, you know, decade or so. And I, I'm not sure if that'll be the end result because it just depends on how willing to play ball they are, I guess. But, uh, it's certainly already happening a little bit. I've always thought it was a good idea to have 50% of a pie as opposed to 100% of no pie. Yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, we've, again, some of these things are uh, probably above any one person's pay grade over there. It's kind of, a, you know, we start talking about large entities and the stock market and the kind of the, the drivers they have. Some of those forces are going to go against each other. But but ultimately, the, the smarter ones, I think, will take some control, to your point, and realize that you're trying to deliver a better customer experience. Fighting with the people out there doing third party on your gear is a battle might be worth fighting, but ultimately what you don't want is is another multi-billion dollar manufacturer taking your market share because they figure out a way to be more flexible and incorporate that in. And all of a sudden your customers are jumping ship to two different technology. I think that'll be a driver for them. My guest on the podcast today has been Mike Steiner, the Director of Technical Services for Reliant Technology. Mike, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really have enjoyed this and I appreciate it. I look forward to having a chance to talk to you again in the future. Hope you have a wonderful day. You too, Sean. Thank you. 